This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, brother. We're going to jump right in here in just a minute. I want to remind you to go to practicalshepherding.com if you want to access any of our resources there. There's tons of stuff there. And you can also contact us through the contact page. So if you have a way we could be a service or help to you, you have a question you'd like for us to deal with on the podcast, whatever it might be, you can go to the contact page and our staff will get that to the appropriate place. So fill that information out and, and we would love to hear from you. You can also go to the donate page and you can give a financial gift. That is always a helpful way to support the ministry. We have tons of exciting things going on and uh, would love to continue to in those things and let you be a partner with us in that. So thank you for those who support the ministry in that way. Jim, we want to jump right in as, as we try to do each time. And we've got a topic that I believe is is particularly relevant for, for many pastors and is often, I would say, misunderstood by many pastors. And that is, how do we deal with adversaries? Adversaries in our ministries that would come in the church, that would come outside the church. Um, there, there's two places, there's two kinds of adversaries that you can have. And, but I mean, we're, we're building the, you know, we're building the kingdom. We're doing the Lord's work. There's the, the enemy is is prowling like a lion looking for someone to devour. There's going to be adversaries that come against us. The mm. question is, how does a pastor make sense of the adversaries? Uh, one, to not be surprised by it, but two, but how do we then understand what the adversary, what's going on with the adversaries, and then how do we deal with those kind of mm. things? So uh, we want to be able to try to tackle all this today, but is, is there a text in particular that speaks to this? Uh, I think there are several. I mean, the one that is probably the clearest is 1 Corinthians chapter 16, where Paul says at verse 9 that a wide and effective door of ministry is open to him, which is what everybody listening wants, a wide, effective door of ministry. And he says, and there are many adversaries. And so both things were happening simultaneously. They didn't cancel each other out, both an opportunity for ministry that was given, uh, a time of ministerial prosperity and success and blessing, and at the same time, not just adversaries, but for him, he said, many adversaries. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was Paul's situation uh, as he uh, had a desire to make his way uh, to Corinth, um, but was hindered from going for a time. Uh, there was <clears throat> there were gospel ministry opportunities going on elsewhere. There was also conflict uh, going on. And so I think, Brian, the question comes uh, particularly for guys who are facing this for the first time. You've entered into ministry. You have a sense that uh, I'm going to be doing what God's called me to do. He's beginning to bless my teaching and my preaching. People are getting converted. People are growing. Uh, there's some excitement going on. The Lord seems to be prospering what I'm doing. And then suddenly, wham, you're hit with trouble in the church, uh, maybe discipline cases, maybe people resisting uh, your teaching and your preaching, or somebody outside uh, of the church is causing problems in your church. And a lot of guys are just are asking, what's going on, Lord? How can this be? I thought everything was going great. So yep. I think that's kind of a setup for what we want to talk about. Yeah, that's good. And I think we also need to point to the context of 1 Corinthians 16 in that Paul is writing to the Corinthians saying, I want to come see you and spend time with you uh, out of an affectionate you know, plea to them, which is important, I think, at the end of 1 Corinthians, because you've mm -hmm. ever read 1 Corinthians. 
you know that it's not a warm, fuzzy letter, you know, that uh, of affection. So Paul rebukes them in a lot of ways and tells them ways they need to address things. So for him to come to the end of the letter, I think it's important that he says, he kind of reminds them of his affection to say, I want to come see you. I love you. I want to even come and spend time with you. I don't want to just pass by, but I can't come just yet. And so mm-hmm. verse 9 really reveals the reasons Paul can't come yet. His work in Ephesus, whatever that ministry was, that was that wide door, and in, there's many adversaries, he can't leave that yet. And so I think the the first observation to make around that is, is that the adversaries was not evidence to leave. It was it was an evidence to stay. Mm. And I want to say that first because a lot of pastors, whether they're dealing with adversaries inside their church, however that comes, or they're dealing with adversaries outside the church, a lot of times because we do not like to suffer, uh, we we face the adversaries. It's it's kind of it's surprising. It's even shocking to deal with adversaries in your ministry. I mean, pastors give themselves to serve and love people and preach and want to just do good and all of a sudden they're like why are you com- why am I why are you coming against me so right. it's jolting for a pastor exactly. i find to, to have an adversary so past many pastors conclude this adversary is present what's going on something's wrong i'm doing something wrong something's wrong with this church something's wrong with the community something's wrong with this ministry and a lot of pastors jim conclude to leave then Right, because I have these adversaries, and so that's the first thing I think we need to tackle is yes, the presence of an adversary is not a sign to leave. Particularly in First Corinthians sixteen, it's actually a sign to stay and and grind right. it out. And and that's it, yeah, it, it's possible that there may be there there are exceptions to this, but I think you're right, Brian. I'm, uh, you are right. You're you're correct in saying this. I don't just think you're right. You are right, and, and that is that it, it, it's. It's emotionally difficult and devastating for a man who, again, is trying to do nothing other than, I just want to preach the word. I just want to love people. I want to help you on your way to heaven. And why are you so angry? Why are you so against me? It, mm-hmm. it, it, just, it just, hey, I would understand if I were constantly in your grill or I had a personality that was caustic and and Mm. I would get it. But here I am, best I know myself, only trying to do good. And and there is resistance. And particularly when that resistance is in your own midst and and in your own flock. uh, And and, and the temptation is, again, as you said, Brian, to view this as an indicator I'm doing something wrong now, that may be the case, but it, it does not necessarily mean you don't necessarily need to think to yourself, I must be failing in some way. It must be due to unfaithfulness or the, the Lord Jesus himself, uh, who was perfect, harmless, undefiled, sinless, uh, had had many adversaries. And Jesus makes it as a statement of promise that if we're going to follow him, that we should anticipate and expect that it will be the same. The sad part for pastors is that we are most often wounded in the house of our friends. Yeah, That's the hard part. If the world were raging against us, if the government were raging against us, if it were simply society, but when it comes from within, it is the most painful adversary that we could have. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think it is more likely, too, that regardless of where the adversaries come from, it's more likely the adversaries are coming because you're doing something right, right? Not necessarily because you're doing something 
wrong, but it could be one or the other. So that is one of the things to evaluate. So let's let's approach this in two ways, Jim, because I do want to address the because there are those listening who are dealing with adversaries potentially outside the church in right, different ways. Exactly. But let's talk let's first let's explore a little bit of what you said, and that's the adversaries that come from within, the adversaries that actually come from within the church. Uh, in your experience, what what has that looked like for you? Well, uh, it has looked like, I mean, generally what it is, is a uh, undermining of your ministry. It is the whispering, backbiting, uh, a member going along trying to find out if, uh, if there are others with open ears to hear their disgruntled comments, mm-hmm. uh, their lack of confidence, either in usually in your ability, your competence. Maybe they don't like your preaching and they are uh, trying to find others and to share that suspicion or that. Again, maybe to make the best case of them, love thinks no evil. You know, you're trying to be that. Again, maybe they're just concerned. Maybe they are sometimes wondering, am I the only one who's not being fed? Am I the only one who doesn't feel cared for? Am I the only one who thinks the pastors are idiots? You know, whatever whatever the case might be. And, and is there something really wrong here? And, and very often you need to understand that the adversary in his own mind is the good guy. Yep. He's not twirling his mustache. He's not snidely whiplash thinking to himself, he, he, I'm going to bring destruction. He thinks he's the good guy. And he doesn't really understand that he is contributing to your misery and to the destabilization of the church. Well, I think that, that there's two kinds of adversaries that, that I face that can look very similar, but I like to put them in these categories. One is... Uh, an adversary that is a wounded sheep, and the other one is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. So I think that's a a good way to characterize the adversaries within a church. Right. Because in my case, as as, as many people know, my story, you know, that's I dealt with a lot of hostility and adversaries in, in the early years in our church, and they came from both of those kind. That I had wounded sheep who had been harmed by previous pastors. And so my adversaries came out of their distrust of me just because I was in the pastoral office, not because I had necessarily done anything. I didn't know that right until years later that that's what was going on. But the other thing I dealt with is adversaries in the church who were wolves. Yeah. I'm still to this day, I mean, I inherited non-Christian leaders mm-hmm. in our church. And to deal with that created an adversarial situation that I just could could never have imagined. But that's the situ- I bring that up because that's a situation a lot of pastors are in. They're going into churches. They're facing adversaries from the church members in the church. And they're like, what, what is going on? Why is this the case? Sometimes it's wounded sheep, and we just need to be patient with it. Sometimes we make dumb decisions that wound sheep, and that right. creates an adversary. So <clears throat> this is not all on them. I mean, pastors have to realize that they, they make decisions that can cause that. But if you inherit a wolf in sheep's clothing who's a member, maybe even a leader, a deacon, or an elder in your yep. church, that's a disaster. And so that will definitely, if you're going to come do any kind of faithful ministry into the church, in the church, that is going to be a clear adversarial situation you're going to face. The problem is pastors experience that advers- adversary in that way, and it's hard, it's exhausting, it's painful, and they do it for a certain time, and then they basically say, I can't do this, and then they reach out to me going, I've been here two years, I'm facing this, and I'm thinking about leaving, what should I do? And I and I look at 1 Corinthians 16, and I'm convinced that the, the way Paul approached that is he did not see the adversary as a 
as a sign that this is wrong and I'm supposed to leave. He saw it specifically as a sign to stay. And I would encourage in general to take that posture. There's many reasons to leave at church. But but the adversaries, in other words, especially if it's a wolf in sheep's clothing and yeah. they're a leader, well, somebody's got to stay and take on the wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. And that can be a very difficult thing to discern and to know. Again, it may be easier sometimes from an outsider to see it and to recognize and realize, look, and look, I know you're trying to be sweet. I know you're trying to you know, learn as a pastor. You're, you're trying to look at your own heart. You know, you're familiar. You've made mistakes, and you're taking a lot of blame. But look, this person is just a divisive person, right? and they need to be marked out as such. And, yep. and, and they are endangering not just your ministry. They are endangering the peace. Yeah, uh, and and the prosperity of that church. I do want to say real quickly, Brian, just really to touch on the text, the connection between the open door and adversaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we are going to be doing what God has called us to do, and if that's going to open up a door, and and generally what that means is. That people are getting converted. People are growing. Uh, they are leaving off. Uh, patterns of sin that make them ineffectual, that that have diluted their salt or that have put a, a bushel over their light. If they're going to change in that, this, the, the, the enemy of our souls is going to be stirred up against us. Yeah. We are kicking the hornet's nest. That's good. By, yep. by making progress and seeing people brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the light, you are... Look, if you're walking, you know... Uh, an ineffectual ministry is is no danger to the enemy of our souls. Yeah, that's right. That's good. A compromised ministry is, he doesn't care. But let somebody begin to invade his kingdom. Let the church begin to pray. Let people make progress against their sin. Uh, bringing people out of darkness, he is going to assault that place. That's Don't really be good. surprised. It's really good, and, and it's particularly what you just articulated is one of the reasons why a context like church revitalization is so hard because you take a church that's become ineffective that's even become dead all of a sudden some guy goes in with ambitions to want to preach the word you know make the gospel known reach the community make disciples you've invaded the enemy's territory right. that's become very successful for the enemy and all of a sudden you are like you said you're kicking the hornet's nest i think is right. a good illustration and what amazes me, though, Jim, and just in general, that, and this could be a different conversation, but the amount of pastors, especially young guys that go in, take their first pastorate, and they're surprised it's hard. Like, they're hoping it's going to be easy. They're hoping they don't have any adversaries. I think, you know, if, if you truly understand what you're doing, you should be expecting the, the, the enemy to come against you for adversaries to show up in different ways. Because the work you're doing just begs for that to, to happen to you. Right. And, and it's almost like the, you know, we have a romanticized view of ministry sometimes, and it can be, you know, you read certain books and listen to certain preachers about how their church grew and and all of the rest. And it's like these commercials for joining the army, you know, it's like where it looks exciting <laughs> and it looks like a lot of fun. And you're, you're it looking. never looked exciting to me, Jim. I yeah, say, well, but anyway, ahead, okay. and then all of a sudden a guy's like, how do you think anybody would ever shoot me? <laughs> why is he you yelling know? at me? It, it, you know, or, you know, why, why are there bombs going off? Well, cause you're in the army, you yeah. know, and, and you ought to expect hostility. Yeah. Right. Uh, so it doesn't mean it's not painful. It doesn't mean it's not confusing. 
but you know, hey, here it is, right? Yeah. You know, I knew, I knew it, we we need to know that it's coming, and especially it may be that the more the Lord blesses, the more that is going to be. So before we turn to maybe how a pastor deals with the adversaries and faces them, and and not lose themselves or their ministry in it, yeah. I do want to turn for a couple minutes on adversaries outside the church and what this might look like. You you know, you've made an you made an excellent point that the you know so much of so much of our adversaries can come from within the church, but but there are also adversaries outside the church. What what kind of forms could that come in for a pastor? Well, I mean, I think some churches have faced it in recent days. You know, you had the uh, the you know the recent decision of the Supreme Court. Um, you might find that you know people protesting outside of churches. Yep. Uh, you know that kind of thing. It's like, yep. well, you know, you know, here I'm, I'm, I'm trying to save lives. I'm trying to, and here I am being fought against. Uh, if you are preaching, I had a friend of mine. He he preached through Romans one, and he made some comment about homosexuality. Somehow that 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 message went viral. And this guy got death threats yeah. uh, from the community. They had to, they, their, their family had to change their phone number. They needed to get, you know, all kinds of things they needed to have. They had put security cameras up around the church because somebody was looking for an opportunity to name names and to, again, so if, if you're going to stand against the tide uh, in, in these ways, get, you know, what, what is now considered culturally radical, which 30, 40 years ago was a cultural norm that marriage was between a man and a woman, that a man was a man and a woman was a woman. And you could tell by dropping your drawers, essentially, and you could tell which was which, that when a baby's born, that their sex and their gender were one and the same thing. And again, you know, I'm not saying you ought to preach that stuff all the time. I'm not saying that you need to every week make sure that, you know, you punch the world in the face. But, hey, if you're going to preach the word in season, out of season, you're going to come across things that you're going to have to address. And you're going to have to address them clearly and scripturally, as compassionately as you may want to do, recognizing people are held bondage by the enemy to do as well. But if you're going to do that, the world is going yeah. to mark you as as hateful, bigoted, yeah. transphobic, homophobic, you know, anti-woman, anti-choice, you know, whatever it may be, simply to stand for basic biblical morality and sanity yeah. is going to bring about a degree of hostility. Yeah, that's true. And I, and I think here's some other just kind of tangible things I'm thinking of in regard to adversaries outside the church. I know of, you know, church plants that rent space to meet. And they're in a community then that becomes hostile to them, and they find a way to revoke their their place to be mm-hmm. able to meet. So I, this is this is quite common in uh, in the New England area in in the United States. That uh, a, which is why a church planning strategy there is actually to buy buildings, uh, buy old church buildings that are yeah, closed, right? Because you, it's so volatile. About you could you could have a lease for a year, and then they don't renew the lease. Well, then what do you what do you do? Where right. where do you meet as a church? I think there's adversaries outside the church when you you see how it affects certain church members in their workplace or in their right. families. Their yeah. families come against them. I mean, I the amount of hostility that I watch church members, they're the only believer in their in their family and the adversaries that come against them uh in the war, from the world is 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 pretty amazing and you as a pastor have to try to shepherd and care for yeah. those those people and you're drawing the distinction between look there, there are people that that are cultural warriors in such a way that they are so constantly in your face so constantly aggressive punching people in the face and and again they believe they ought to do that 
fine. Many of us say, listen, listen, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to live a quiet and peaceable life, which is what we're called to do. That's a part of the reason you pray for government. You live, you're just trying to live your life, trying to live a quiet and peaceable life. But there are things you can't bend on and that you can't say. I can't say that that's right. I can't say that that's normal. I can't say that God approves of that. I simply can't. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, tr- you know, it doesn't mean I want to kill you. It doesn't mean I want to destroy you. But I am saying that me and my house, you know, and, and you have to prepare your people. You have to prepare our people for suffering and, and for the adversity uh, of that. I think generally try not to be a jerk. You know, you know, try not to act in such a way that you oh, – there's a difference between getting shot and jumping out of your foxhole and with sparklers in your hand, you know, and, and – drawing the attention in that way uh i hope that makes sense what, what i'm trying to say I think, is, is but we need we need to we need to understand no matter how kind no matter how loving no matter how gospel centered no matter how hey we're, we're trying to do good in the community we're feeding the homeless we're taking care of people we're involved in you know the things to beautify and to help you're going to be hated for righteousness and and don't be shocked don't be surprised embrace it it needs to be also acknowledged that a lot of places in the world this outward adversary outside the church is very uh, relevant and very it's real with people whose lives are threatened whose people you know who lose jobs over being christians to um you know their their house and their churches are vandalized and i mean there's just so depending on what context you live in and what even what country you live in we do need to acknowledge when we read scripture and see adversaries and the ideas inside and outside the church there are certainly countries around the world where the outside adversaries is the most palpable adversary right. that Christians It's not just face. somebody doesn't like your sermon or your decision. That's, that's it's, right. It's a whole different so ballgame. I just do want to acknowledge that even exactly. though obviously the majority of our listeners would be falling into that first category, but we, we do want to be mindful that when we read the scriptures and it talks about adversaries, it's it's certainly pointing to out, it, outside adversaries And there, as well. Brian, it may be, because Jesus did teach that sometimes you do move on. You know, sometimes you do you shake the dust off your feet and you do move on. True. And there may be times you're going to go from city to city because of that hostility. That may be a different that that's a whole different thing than a pastoral situation where it brings about difficulty and distress and heartache. And again, the effect the effect of adversaries is strong in your life. If you if you have any sensitivity in your soul. You may find you're unable to sleep. You may find that it's very, very distracting and all of that sort of a thing. It's, and, and it, but again, you're called to love and to shepherd and to maybe confront the adversity and the adversary head on yep. versus I'm endangering my family and it may be time to move on yeah. uh, for that sake. I think those are, those are two different scenarios. So let's shift now to talking about how does a pastor deal with this, regardless of what the adversary is, whether it's having a, a non-Christian deacon in his church, or whether it's you know he's being threatened by people in the neighborhood mm. and their families being threatened because he's a pastor and because he may be taking a stand on something. So you know, regardless of what it is, you know, how does a pastor process? You know, what is God up to as they're facing these adversaries? How does a pastor endure and persevere through having these adversaries when we're recognizing the the, the kind of knee jerk, the intuitiveness of of facing an adversary is that we want to run away? So, what? Let's kind of get in the last bit uh, of some practical tips 
to help a pastor think through how do they process an adversary they're facing or the adversaries and how do they persevere through it? So part of Paul's exhortation to Timothy is to endure hardship. Uh, it is to be faithful, to continue to preach the word in season, out of season, to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And that is to say that the call doesn't change because it doesn't change when there's blessing and it doesn't change when there's adversity. I think, Brian, we need to try to deal with, with, with several different categories with this. So let's talk about, you know, so there's adversity within the church. There's an adversary within the church. Uh, where do I deal with it where this is a, a personal matter between me and this person versus this is an undermining of my ability to minister and to, to effectively to lead, deal? Right? Yeah. He is... He is trying to destroy my credibility. He's trying to destroy and to undermine my ministry. And this is hurting real sheep. And so it might be uh, we need to mark divisive people. We need to name people who are divisive. Um, that I think would require ahead of time our personally or as an eldership trying to deal with this person and trying to win them. Mm. I think it needs to be, and, and that's part of the discernment, is this a wounded sheep who's just hurt? They feel underappreciated. They've misunderstood something you've said or done, or you maybe have really hurt them and you need to deal with that versus this person is a wolf. And again, remembering wolves generally do not self-identify as wolves. They think they're heroes. They think they're Captain America and they're really Thanos or yeah. they're Loki yeah. or you whatever. Okay, to use that cultural illustration there. Nice but work. But they're convinced they're the real deal. They, yeah. They're convinced. I am the stalwart of this church and I've run so many pastors out and they're proud of it. They're, they're not ashamed of it. They're not hiding who and what they are, but they think somehow they're going to get rewarded for this. In reality, they may be going to hell. Uh, they may be uh, an unconverted yeah. person. So you need to you need to protect the sheep from that person. Yep. Yep. We need to do that. Um, we are most likely, because we are commanded to be gentle and we're commanded to be patient because we are not to be brawlers. We're not to be those given to a fight. Some guys love that. If you love that, you're not called to ministry. Mm. You're not qualified to be a pastor. Mm. So this means then that we are going to take on hurt and we are going to take on real pain because it's not in our DNA to be fighters. And as contenders for the truth, yes. Fight, loving a good fight, loving contention, yeah. no. Which is which is leads to what I want to say with this, and that's uh, I think a strategy in dealing with the adversaries, knowing what you said, that we're, suffering is inevitable in the life of a pastor. And when you resolve to that, uh, to actually try to love your adversaries. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I think mm -hmm. Jesus says something about that, and this is a great opportunity to try to right. to, that, that, to realize that's actually not hypothetical or theoretical. It's actually something that we're to do when we face the adversaries. And and this this is part of this is part of my story in that uh, when I faced my adversaries in the in the early years, uh, I sought to try to win them, and some I won eventually, some I didn't. Right. But the effort to win them. God, I think, uniquely works in that. I think one of the things God does is when you try to actually love your adversary, you try to win them, You it exposes whether they're actually a wounded sheep or a wolf in sheep's clothing. You, you discover that, but I think it takes time to establish that. It's not months, it's, it's years. 
But but I would say to love your adversaries, to actually make an effort to try to win them to your side, even though they're clearly not on your side at right. this point. And so not only is that, I mean, it's, there's reasons that Jesus gives right, that command, right, right. but I also think that God is wanting to do a work in the pastor who's facing the adversary, and, <clears throat> and which is another reason why to not run away, but to face it. Yeah. And to realize that there's a sanctifying work that God wants to do in you to have to try to love people who are hard to love and see what happens to you as you try to, to love those people. Right. Exactly. So I want, uh, that's excellent, Brian, uh, and I heartily amen it. Uh, I also want to just encourage, don't descend to their level. Don't descend to their tactics. Yeah. Um, it is so tempting to give tit for tat mm-hmm. uh, and to remember that uh, I, I don't want to lose my integrity while trying to save my reputation. Uh, there is a way that may be effectual, and that is, I've had to deal with this. I've recently had some online critics, and I was so tempted to re- reply to them in a snarky, sarcastic, devastating way to expose to me their idiocy uh, and their unchristian character. And I just had to, I eventually just wound up just muting it um, yeah. because I thought, I, I, I did not believe I could engage in that prof. If, if my goal is just to defend myself, okay. But if my goal is to win them, I'm not going to win them th- by that means. And I'm, and I'm probably not going to win them on social media, you know. So that, that becomes unprofitable for me, and I just have to ignore it and, yeah. and move on. I don't think that's even probably. Like, I think it's impossible to win people on, social, uh, on that venue yeah. and how that works. Which leads me to the last thing I want to say on, on this, and that's that and this is going to sound a little weird, but this is, this is a practical way, I think, to deal with adversaries in certain circumstances, and that is uh, ignore them. Because one of the things that, you know, sometimes obviously you can't. Right. You're, to your point earlier, your job is to protect the sheep. But what I have found also in, again, when the adversaries come from within the church, a lot of times adversaries are trying to distract you from what you're actually supposed to be doing. And a lot of, sometimes do you deal with the adversary by not giving them the, the time and day that they're trying to take from you. So in other words, I, I, there's many church situations where you have somebody, a pastor has somebody who keeps wanting to just fight with them and pick a fight with them and have a conflict with them. And right. they want to meet every week and they want to meet for hours each time. And and I've had guys reach out to me like, what do I do with this guy? Well, have you met with him? Yeah, I met with him several times. Okay, well, how much time did you spend? Did you talk these things out? Yeah, he wants to talk about the same things over and over again. Okay, meet with him, and then once you've met with him, you don't meet with him anymore if that's all he's wanting to do with you. Right. And you actually don't get sucked into the uh, to what they're trying to do, which is distract you from the work that you're called to do in the church that takes you away from all these other people that you're trying to care for. So in some circumstances, dealing with the adversaries is actually drawing a boundary with the adversary and say so, you know, in a, in a lot of contexts, oh, this what this guy tries to get me fired or whatever it is, and and I face that stuff. And it, a lot of times, you have to almost wait. Well, can they? Like, you have like eighty five percent of the church that loves you, and this person's trying to be a divisive person and right. come against you. Have at that point, you almost have to, you know, one of the best ways to somehow deal with those people is to ignore them. Now that'll frustrate them more, but sometimes <laughs> I think that that is actually the right way to to deal with it and actually the right way to to protect the flock. 
Yeah. So there is there is the kindness that you do, Romans chapter 12. There is the giving over of your burden to the Lord, give place to wrath, let God deal with it. But I think you're right, Brian. There are some, particularly depending on where it is, that they are looking for this as a platform. Yeah. So Spurgeon had a, a advice you gave long ago, which okay. I, I've repeated many, many times. Okay. And it is... In regard to certain things, he says, you need to look at it with your blind eye, listen to it with your deaf ear, and put it to, put it in your pocket with the hole in it. And that's just a way of saying, I'm just going on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just going on. And I'm going to do what God's called me to, to do. I'm going to be what God has called me to be. I live before him. I have a God-given confidence in my own integrity which it has been enhanced by my willingness to open myself up to friends uh, who will be faithful to me mm. and say, this is what I've done, talk to me. Mm. And if you, at the end of the day, that, that gets, and you've been honest and you've been open and you haven't slanted it in your own way, you've, you've told the story, if you have a good conscience, you move on uh, to the, the best you can. Protecting your flock, again, is critical yeah. in that. Here's my final word on this, and that's I I want every pastor to know that the, the chief shepherd who's appointed you to be the shepherd of that flock is with you. Mm. The chief shepherd rules on the throne. He knows your adversaries, and he's at work for your good in it. And so I think to realize that you have an advocate for you, uh, you have one that knows everything that's going on, and I, and always keep going back to Jesus the chief shepherd who cares more for that sheep, those sheep than you do, and keep going back to him to be supported and strengthened and affirmed that what you're doing is, is noble, important, meaningful work. And sometimes you got to ignore the adversaries and keep moving on. Sometimes you need to take them on. And some, sometimes uh, and you've got to do both at some point, depending on the situation. So you have to you know, have other counselors, have other pastors you're talking to in regard to your situation. But I believe that the goal is, is and ultimately the calling is not to let an adversary run us off. It, it is that we stand our ground and figure out, do I, do I love them? Do I, uh, do I need to confront them? Whatever it is. But, but our calling is to, to stand fast because if we don't stand up to the adversaries that are harming churches, whether they're coming from the inside of the church or outside the church, who's going to stand in, in front of those adversaries. And so mm -hmm. I believe that God's called us to that, and he's equipped us all to be able to do that. So, Jim, we take a minute and pray uh, for pastors who are facing their adversaries that give courage to be able to yeah, do that. We'll do. Uh, our Father, do give help, we pray. Uh, help us to have the heart of the Apostle Paul, who's able to say, it is a small thing for me if I am judged of you. He judges me as the Lord. And, Father, to have to live before you, to seek to walk with integrity, to be those who, who see and confess our sin, willing to work on ourselves. But, Father, to view these things rightly. Father, help particularly your servants who are especially sensitive of soul. Uh, help them to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that their toil is not in vain. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. Amen.